You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. We got in by grace. We didn't get in because of how we performed. We got in in spite of how we performed. And just in case you haven't heard the gospel lately, the gospel sounds like this. Christ died for our sins. Don't leave the gospel part out. Don't just say Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again. All you're talking about is history there. You leave out the mystery when you don't say for our sins. Because that's what makes it good news. It's not good news that a man died. I'll admit it was good news that Osama bin Laden died. But it's not been good news that anybody else dies. (laughs) Come on, don't look so religious. You felt good about that day too. (laughs) But it's only good news if that man died for you. If he took your place and there was just one that did. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now what that says is that Jesus did something you could not do for yourself and what that also means is you going to heaven is not really how God pays you for having performed well. Every false religion in the world teaches that. That you get to go to heaven if you be good. You be good and you get to go to heaven. That is not Christian doctrine. Christian doctrine says, I'm not going to heaven by what I've done. I'm going to heaven by faith in what he did. Hallelujah. So you going to heaven is really not God paying you, but God paying Jesus for what he did. You are his reward. Glory be to God. Woo! Glory to God. He wants you in heaven immeasurably more than you want to be there. And I want to be there. But he wants me there more than I want to go. You hear most preaching, it sounds like God's trying to keep people out of heaven. He's not trying to keep anybody out. He's trying to keep men out of hell. Did everything he could to make it happen. We sing that one song, It Is Finished. About it being finished. It's fin- it is finished. God reconciled himself to the world, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. That is to say, God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, not imputing the trespass. What? Not imputing the trespasses against them and having committed unto us this word of reconciliation. What are you saying here? God doesn't count sins against men? No, he doesn't. He counted the sins of the whole world over onto Jesus. Blamed Jesus as though he had actually committed those sins and then executed him. That's what Isaiah 53 says. When you shall make his soul, talking to God, you shall make his soul an offering for sin. God knew that if we kept having to pay for our own sins, we were all going to wind up in hell. Mm-hmm. Boy, I think that's good preaching. But I think it's interesting, the first thing out of the, the first rattle out of the box after the crucifixion of Christ, he says, now sing. Now sing. We will probably never have a church service without singing. It didn't say, sing Casey and Parrish. It didn't say, sing Israel. That's our youth pastor's name who led one of the songs. It, it, It didn't say, 
Sing, Lindsay. Sing, Whitney. It said, sing, old Baron. That means you. Sing, those of you who can't sing. Sing. Now, Casey said, don't sing too loud. But <laughs> keep the microphone away from them. I love the psalm when it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I said, I qualify, praise God. I qualify to worship like that. I can make noise. Hallelujah. But when you think about it, the Almighty listens to singing all the time. You read the book of Revelation, the angels are singing, the angels are glorifying God. They got this band that's, that's crazy good. You know, they're, they're, their music is so far advanced. Uh, I, I doubt if they ever have a fiddle go out of tune. You know what I'm saying? Probably got automatic tuners on everything. It's all just perfectly, perfect pitch. And everybody's always, oh, it just must be amazing. So can you imagine what the best of earth sounds like in heaven? Probably can't distinguish, they probably can't distinguish a child beating on pots and pans in the kitchen from the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. Probably sounds about the same in comparison to what they hear in heaven all the time. Skill isn't the biggest thing with God. Now, that's pretty big with me. I want my musicians skilled. I want my singers to sound good. It helps me. I'm a musician. It helps me if, if they've done their, their work. But it's not all that important in heaven. He's wanting the barren to sing. Those that don't sing, those that can't sing, those that sound horrible, He wants you to sing anyway. Because He's not looking for words or melody from you. He's looking for your faith to be released in a praise, in a song of praise. Y'all have heard me tell the story before, but there was a day when the Apostle Paul found himself in jail. He found himself in jail with, with his buddy Silas. They had been beaten to pieces. They had been beaten with that cat of nine tails, the Roman flagellum it's called. Beaten up bad. Had open wounds. We know because the jailer later took them home and washed their wounds. They were beaten so badly. And at midnight, it says, in the middle of the night, in a deep, dark, dank, damp dungeon. Paul and Silas start singing. They just start singing. What are you singing about? They didn't have any accompaniment. And you know, the middle of the night, they were probably not sleeping good, probably uncomfortable, these open wounds distracted by the chains, who knows? But they just started singing. Probably sounded something like, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. And the song went out of the jailhouse and it floated up into the palace and went out the roof of the palace out into the air into the, strop the troposphere on out into the mesosphere and the ionosphere through the ozone layer and then launched into outer space. And it went across space in a split second and launched itself over the portals of glory and making its way toward the throne across the celestial landscape, up the mighty stairs where no one dares tread. 
and hits the ear of God. He's got all this music around him. I can just see the Almighty go, shh. Gabriel puts down his trumpet and says, yes, sir, boss. I hear something. What do you hear, sir? I hear a song. Well, of course you do. Of course you do, Lord. You got the best band in the universe here. I mean, we got Big D over there on the harp. We, <laughs> we got uh, the guys on the sack butt and all, those, all these weird sounding instruments, you know, in the Old Testament. We, we get it all happening here, Lord. And we've been practicing for thousands of years. Of course you hear, hear a song. <laughs> you don't no, 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 not that, not that kind of song. I hear a song that's touching me deeply. What are you hearing, Lord? I don't know, but it sounds like faith to me. I hear somebody singing when the music's not right. I hear somebody singing when everything in their life is not right. I hear somebody singing when they got pains, when they got broken hearts. I, I hear somebody singing when it looks like I've let them down. I hear somebody singing who has questions, but they're singing anyway. And the Almighty, He loves music. He loves singing. Put it in our hearts to be able to do it. And I think as heaven is His throne and the earth is His footstool, He did what I saw some of y'all doing when Casey and Paris were leading us a while ago. Start patting his foot. And if the earth is his footstool, when the Almighty pats his foot, how many of you know the ground starts to shake? <laughs> Glory to God. And the earth began to shake. And the Bible says on earth, the jailhouse began to shake and quake and all of the chains and bars fell off them and the doors sprung open and everybody was free to go. I don't know what kind of prison you're bound up in today, but why don't you try praising your way out? Hallelujah. Why don't you just praise your way out? Glory to God. Glory to God. I heard old E.V. Hill tell that story like that many years ago. He ended it with this. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the very first version of the jailhouse rock. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We exist to exalt the Lord. We exist for that reason to to glorify Him. He created you for His own pleasure. We exist to bring glory to His name. My son brought home a tape one time in 1990, I'm going to say. It was right in that area, area of time. Brought home a tape. Dad, have you heard the new CFNI tape yet? That's before the days of CDs. It was a little, little cassette tape. I said, no. He said, I'm on this one. I said, you're on this one? Yeah, I'm on. Did you play the guitar? No, I wasn't playing. I, I didn't, they didn't have me play the guitar. He said, I'm just in the crowd. <laughs> wasn't but 1,200 people there, so he, <laughs> he, was, he was in the crowd. And, and we put it on. He was so excited because he loved all the songs, his music, you know. He put it on. We played the little thing. And it started. I listened. I listened. I said, which one is you? He said, I don't know, but I'm in there. Amen. I can't make out my voice. I can't distinguish which one's me, but I'm in there. I'm in there. See, it's not altogether an individual thing. This, this Sunday morning, around the world, there are people gathered, lifting their voices, worshiping God. They may not be able to distinguish, oh, glory to God. 
Whew, that goes all over me when I think about it. They were joining our voices with thousands, millions of saints all around the globe that are worshiping God. I mean, it, you know, I know there are time zones, but we're worshiping God. And, and this day all around the world for 24 hours, there'll be people worshiping God and exalting His name together. Hallelujah. There's something powerful about showing up in a community of the redeemed and lifting our hearts in faith together. God loves this. He loves this because it opens the door for Him to do miraculous things for you. Let me say this to you. When you are giving thanks before you see the product of what you've asked for, what you've needed, you have already done your part in the covenant to pay in advance for what you, what's yet to come. Does that obligate God or not? Hallelujah, I love this. When you say thank you and you hadn't got it, now he's obligated to give it, hallelujah. If you'll just thank him some more, if you'll just put your heart out there and say, act like you've already got it. Use your faith and believe that you've already got it. Make yourself see it. I see it, I see it, I see it. I don't see my need, I see what I have, praise God. I'm no longer talking to my God about how big my mountain is. From this day forward, I talk, about how, talk to my mountain about how big my my God is. Amen. And I worship the Lord. Exalt His name together. And I, I, I thought about the book of Revelation when my son brought that tape home. I thought about the book of Revelation. It says that the, 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 an innumerable number of the redeemed of the Lord, I think it's Revelation chapter 7, it says an innumerable number of the redeemed of the Lord lifted their voices in worship. You couldn't even, couldn't even count them. John was trying to count them, I believe. You know what I mean? I believe he was trying to count them because he, he, he wrote about how many times Jesus fed thousands. John talked about the thousands that followed Jesus in ministry, 5,000 this time, 4,000 that time. He, he wrote about these things and, and, and he got pretty good at it and, and I'm pretty good at it too. I can look at a room and tell about how many people are in the room. You, can, you, you do this enough, you kind of get used to it. But he, he was counting people outside. So whatever measurement of an acre he thought was an acre or whatever measurement they had for me, it would have been an acre. He, he probably figured out how, about how many people could sit in an acre. So they said, okay, there's a thousand, there's a thousand, there's a thousand, there's a thousand. He learned how to count. Can you see him on the day of Revelation? He sees this throng of people. He's going, a thousand, 10,000, 20,000, 70,000, 100,000, half a million. Hold still. Uh, <laughs> And, it just, and he would just lose count because there were just so many people of the redeemed. I'm telling you, God's not trying to keep people out. That's right. Not when there's an innumerable number that show up in the book of Revelation. Amen. Of those that God wants to hear worship Him. Amen. And to have pleasure in knowing Him. And what I love about this is that John saw us there. Who did he see there? He saw us there. He had to have seen us there. John saw you there. You need to get a hold of this. John, the book of Revelation, saw you there. He saw an innumerable number. Well, who did he see? You can't have a crowd without individuals. Right. Every crowd is made up of individuals. Who are these individuals that are there? I say he saw me. Amen. I say he saw, how many of you think he saw you there? Hey, amen. Let me, let me give you some security here. They can't rewrite the book. <laughs> Woo, glory. I got a little security for you today. They can't rewrite that book. If they saw you there, you're there. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout amen. And I'm going to rewrite the book. They already, they already put it in there. You're there. Hallelujah. Amen. Take that, you legalist dog. <laughs> amen. Singing in faith. Sing, O barren. Not sing, O perfect one. Sing, barren one. Hallelujah. Well, preacher, 
I, you just don't know what I've done. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> Preacher, you don't know what I've done. Listen, it doesn't matter. Right. So you're barren. You qualify. So you're barren. You still qualify. Well, I, I saw an old boy. He saw his truck at the bar. I actually had somebody tell me something like this. I saw that saw an old boy. He saw his truck at the bar. I know it's his truck because it's got that bumper sticker on it. You know, it says, honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> I saw, saw his truck at the bar Saturday night, and I show up in church. And he's down front with his hands lifted, playing the hypocrite. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. He's a hypocrite because he went to the bar on Saturday night, showed up at church on Sunday morning with his hands lifted. He said, yeah, ain't that a hypocrite? I said, no, not particularly. A hypocrite is one who thinks somebody... automatically is a hypocrite by how they see them act. <laughs> Are you talking about me? I said, you talking about him. <laughs> I'm just saying. A hypocrite isn't somebody who does something like that and shows up in church on Sunday morning. You don't know what happened between the time that pickup was at the bar and the time he showed up in church. You don't have any idea. And you don't know that he's not down there doing all he can to get that right. You don't even know that he wasn't there trying to drag out a drunk relative out of that bar. You don't know why that truck was there. Come on, somebody say amen. Help me here. I know a preacher that went and dragged a guy out of a bar one Sunday morning in a state where the bar stayed open all night. Guy didn't show up in church. Wife showed up in church crying. Preacher said, and worship was going on. Preacher said, where's your husband? Oh, no, he didn't come in like that. He's been back, back in the bar, Pastor. He said, what bar is he in? He said, he's still there. Said, what bar is it? Well, it's that one down there. The pastor just said, y'all keep singing. He just went out and got in the car and drove down to the bar. <laughs> Walked in there and idled up beside the guy on the bar. He said, what are you doing here? Oh, oh, Pastor. Uh, oh, well, I was just about to, I said, no, you weren't about to leave. <laughs> Been here all night. But you are now. That's what he said. But you are now. Come on. Dragged him outside. Made him kneel down on the steps of the bar. On the front steps, out in public. Made him kneel down there and get right with Jesus. Right there on the spot. <laughs> Had a little come to Jesus meeting right there. Dragged him into church. He's still drunk. Dragged him into church. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's the barren that need to sing. It's the barren ones that need to sing. I'm not suggesting that it's okay to live a slackered life. I'm not suggesting that it's okay just to keep on living in a, in a, in a sinful way. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that God has taken care of your sins in Christ. You keep using your faith toward Christ. And you will find that as you walk this walk of faith, all the trappings of sin, all the habits, all that stuff will just begin to fall off. Amen. Amen. Yes. You'll be holier than you ever thought you could be. Hallelujah. Right. Your friends will start calling you holy roller. <laughs> that excites some of you, but 
I think they said it was kind of quiet. Your friends <laughs> will start calling you a holy roller. You don't, have to, you don't have to work at it. Just walk by faith. Just keep walking by faith. And live in the Romans 8, 1, where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on. Amen. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's move along. The next thing is believing the promises. After, after the singing in faith, the exalting the Lord has to do with believing the promises. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 of Isaiah 54. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. So this is still talking about exalting the Lord, but how do you exalt the Lord? You exalt the Lord in this respect by believing what he says, by believing his promises. He makes promises that He wants you to believe. Remember why believing is so important to the Lord? Because if you ask most Christians, what was the first sin? They ate the apple. Well, you know, we all know it never says it was an apple. It was probably a pomegranate or something like that. I don't know. It was something really good. Turkish delight. Any Lewis fans in here? It was, it, it was something that he ate. And, uh, but that really wasn't the first sin. The first sin was really when Eve listened to the devil and stopped believing what God said. Remember when the devil came and said, Hath God said? Oh, yeah, he said. We can't touch that tree. We can't eat that tree. We can't even touch that tree. You see, what, what she's trying to tell the devil is, that tree is poison. That's how she saw it. That tree is poison. It will kill us in more ways than one. That tree is poison. She saw the tree is poison. And after the devil talked to her and she listened to him, had a conversation with him over it, the Bible says, then she looked at the tree and it looked different. It said, now it looks good for food. Her vision got changed by what she believed and what she believed changed by, by, by what she heard. Are you hearing me? You listen to that voice of condemnation enough, you'll start sliding off into sin. You, start, you listen to that voice of the devil, you'll start doing the dumb things that you hate. You keep your faith engaged and keep hearing what God says. Expose yourself to the Word of God on a regular basis. You're born again. You're born all over again. You're born from heaven. Your, your inner man is a brand new man. Amen. You're not, you're not what you used to be. You're a new creature, the Bible teaches us. You've been, old things have passed away and everything has become new. Glory to God. Now feed this new man. You feed this new man. Feed this new man the word and cause the, cause the, the faith that's in your heart to grow. Cause it to grow and to grow big. It's amazing. It's amazing that that, 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 that unbelief was really the first sin and caused all the other things to happen. Every time you get an unbelief, you're headed towards something that's going to take you down. Yeah. Stay in faith. Brother Hagin said it like this, just keep the faith switch turned on. I like that. Keep the faith switch turned on. You know why you have to keep it turned on? Because there's always some ugly devil trying to turn it off for you. Some ugly devil named Pain. Some ugly devil named death. Some ugly devil named accident. Going to try to get you to get in unbelief so that you stop believing God. Stop believing His promises. But we're talking about exalting the Lord. How do you exalt the Lord? 
Let's take a look at John chapter 15 and verse 7. John chapter 15 and verse 7. If you want to turn there or get it up on the screen, it would be nice. It says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Now look at verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified. Wow. Now you all know, hear me, you all know that the verse breaks, the numbers, were not inspired. Somebody put that in later. So let's not make too big a differentiation there. God gets glory when you receive from Him. When you put verses 7 and 8 together, like they should be, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, what is this fruit bearing talking about? Getting your prayers answered. Amen. Amen. Bearing fruit is not you working hard for God. Bearing fruit is believing God for His promises to happen in your life. Hallelujah. And God gets glory from that. He gets glory from your life. You know why He gets glory from it? Because it's so simple for you to witness now. When you had a prayer answered, you're going to tell somebody what Jesus did for you. When you've had a miracle happen, you go out and tell everybody. You can't, they can't stop you from talking about the Lord. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, born out of having the Word work in you, and you receive what you need and what you want from the Lord. That's powerful. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says kind of the same thing. We'll start with verse 20. Exalt the Lord. Sing, O barren. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, you see it up there? For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen. What does it cause? The glory of God. Unto the glory of God by us. So when you receive the promises of God, God gets glory. He's not glorified when earthquakes happen. He's not glorified when hurricanes tear, down, tear up a town and flood out the poorest part of the town. He's not glorified when a, when a horrible tornado rips through the middle of Oklahoma. God doesn't get glory from that. Now, He might if the people of God decide they're going to glorify Him in the midst of trouble. Hallelujah, that's good. But the thing itself doesn't create glory. What the, if there's a thing that creates glory, it's a manifestation of God's goodness. Not of some kind of horrible terrible event. I think the church has lost so many opportunities to witness, so many opportunities to reach out there to their communities over the years. When tragedies have happened, the, the prophets stand up and say, God is angry, God is judging. I think, well, I don't know why he doesn't judge you then. It's just goofy. You have an opportunity when there's trouble, when trouble hits an area, to, for the church to run in there and be the answer. And tell them that God loves them. Tell them God didn't do this. The Lord didn't do this. There's a devil out there trying to destroy anybody that he, can, that he possibly can. God is not, not the one destroying things. God is on your side. The Lord loves you. Amen. You say, what a wonderful opportunity. And show up with some help. Yeah. Well, it's still good preaching whether you like it or not. God gets glory when you receive from Him. Amen. I want you to look now here back up at verse 2. 
Isaiah 54, 2. After the exalt the Lord comes to edify the church. Verse 2 says, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. You see the edify the church there? The place of thy tent, the curtains of thy habitation. If that's not talking about the local church, I don't know what it is. Strengthen it. Lengthen it. Make it bigger. Make it stronger. Help the people of God be all they can be. Amen. Edify the church. And I think it's interesting that he tells them that they're going to inherit. So he's always talking to them about their future. Church folks, listen. When you look at empty, empty seats in this building, don't think, oh well, so and so's not here. That's the wrong, wrong way to think. Think, what an opportunity. There's a place for my friends and family. There's a place for my friends to come. There's a place for my family to be here. It's this opportunity for us to reach people. Amen. By the way, if you think it's too full, we'll get some more chairs because we've got lots of chairs <laughs> to bring in here. Amen. I walked in here one day a few months ago, really right after we started, I guess about a year and a half ago now. I, uh, I walked in here one day and I had a flash of the place full wall to wall with people. I don't know about you, but I believe that's coming. Yes. I'm looking here at how the church has already grown over what time we've been here. I'm so thankful to God that he's doing something that I couldn't do. Amen. Amen. But you enlarge the place. Expect growth. Expect the future. Not just for your local church, but for your own life. You've got some things you want to happen. How many of you have some things that you're wanting to happen that hadn't happened yet? Let me see your hands. Well, that's everybody in the building. We all have a hope for the future. And, and hope is a great seedbed for your faith to grow. In fact, it, the Bible says it just like this. Faith is a substance of things. Yeah, amen. Get your hopes up. Faith is a substance of what you're hoping for. That means it's always out there in the future. That's why we have a children's ministry. That's why we have a nursery and don't just take care of babies. We, we try to teach them something in there. That's why we have a youth group. That's why we're starting a college, college and career ministry here. We're always thinking about the future because the children of this church are not the, not the future church. They're the present church. They're just a little tiny part of it. They're the church right now. Amen. When we count them, we count everybody. We don't just count what's in here. And we do count. Every good shepherd counts his sheep. Amen. I know if you don't want to be numbered, I know, I know I've heard people say, well, we're not about numbers. Well, God was. He has a book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> <That's right>. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Drive the stakes in deeper. Build for the future. I think about Numbers chapter 13. You don't have to turn there, but think about the story of Joshua and Caleb coming back, you know, from spying out the land. Ten spies came back saying the wrong thing. You've heard me say this before. Ten of them came back saying the wrong thing. Two of them came back saying the right thing. Ten came back with an evil report. Two came back with a good report, the Bible says. Ten said the wrong thing. Two said the right thing. But we have to remember they had all seen the same thing. So that report, their reports could not have been based purely on what they'd seen. Their reports were based on what they believed 
about what they had seen. And the ten that had trouble believing God didn't get to go in. The two men who believed God and interpreted that as a challenge and that God had already given them into our hands and came back speaking the good report, those two stayed alive all through that and led God's people into the promised land. And what you get out of this is that he had everybody in that first generation to die except for two guys. They stayed alive. And what God is saying with that is he will not have leadership for the next generation be people who only see obstacles. Amen. Well, that was good right there. God's going to have leading his next generations those who see opportunities. Amen. Amen. You want to be used for, a lot, for the long haul? Stay positive. You want to be used of, of the Lord to be in leadership in the, in the kingdom of heaven for a long time? Stay positive. Stay on the word. Stay on the promises. Believe God and say so. Edify the church through this means. You will grow the church. Not just this congregation, but you'll grow in the kingdom Praise God, just by being an edifying person. Always trying to build somebody up rather than trying to tear somebody down. It's easy. It doesn't take a genius to tear somebody down. If that was the way it'd be, Durant would be full of geniuses. Because you can stop on any street corner and find somebody griping about something. Not just here, but anywhere. It doesn't take a big person to be able to find something that's wrong. When, when, when Katrina hit New Orleans, I talk about this a lot because it was such an impactful time for us. When Katrina hit New Orleans, I had a guy come to me, and he said, man, I believe that's prophetic, brother. And I said, did you say pathetic or prophetic? He said, no, I think it's prophetic. I said, okay, why? He said, well, five years ago, old brother so-and-so prophesied there was going to be a hurricane hit New Orleans. And I said, huh. I could have done that. <laughs> Any idiot could have guessed in five years or so there's going to be a hurricane hit New Orleans. Tell me there's going to be a hurricane hit Denver. Now I'm listening. <laughs> Come on, somebody. How goofy can you get? Prophetic, that is just nothing but pathetic. <laughs> Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. I want you to look at somebody sitting on the road next to you and say, God's kindness shall not depart from you. Come on, say it to another person. God's kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, verse 13. And great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. You're not going to be established in, in, in sin preaching. You're going to be established in righteousness shall be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. 
Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for your sake. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, next week when you come back, we're going to be talking about evangelizing the world. I'm going to separate that point from these first two that we talked about, exalting the Lord and edifying the church. Next week we're going to talk about evangelizing the world. You don't want to miss this message. It's going to shake you up big time. It'll be, a, it'll be a strong, equipping message, and I'll help you, okay? I promise not to condemn you. I promise I won't let con condemnation come on you. Yeah, I'm going to put some tools in your hands for global evangelization. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Let's stand up on our feet. Praise God, praise God. Now, Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to teach the word of God. And I thank you for your people who receive the word as engrafted, a seed engrafted into their hearts, and they will never be the same. I thank you, my Father, that in the name of Jesus, things are about to change. Hallelujah. I see changes taking place in God's people. We're driving down the stakes. We're making them firmer. Hallelujah. Edifying one another and exalting the Lord in, 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 in unusual fashion. Let the people of God rise to the challenge of this message today. Let the people of God take on new dimensions of faith so that they can do all that they are called to do. Be all they are called to be and have all they are called to have. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Now with your heads bowed just for a moment, I want to speak to those of you who are here today. Maybe you've come here today not sure of all that you're, you've heard. Maybe you've come here today wondering what it all means. Well, it means exactly what we've already said. We are here every Sunday to bring our offerings, to bring our hearts, to listen to the Word of God all in worship to the Almighty God. It is something He has always demanded that those who name His name gather regularly, gather weekly, gather to be together and to share our faith with one another and to hear the messages of the Word of God. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you're not certain of where you'll spend eternity. But the greatest invitation this church or any church can ever give to a, a person is to come to know Christ. Everyone in this room has had to face this decision. Everyone in this room that is a Christian today had to make this decision to follow Jesus, to receive His grace into their lives and to believe upon Him, to believe that He died for their sins, to believe He was buried, to believe that God raised Him from the dead on the third day. This is our heart's cry. Our one cause is to make sure this message gets out. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I need this. I need this forgiveness. I need this grace in my life. I need to be changed. I need to know the Lord. Would you raise a hand and say, pray for me, preacher. If you've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, God bless you. God bless you. You say, I need that. I need this. I need to be free. I have things that pull me down and I seem to have no power over. But I want to be free and I believe I can be free today. Pray for me. Is that you? God bless you. Pray for me. Just say it. All right. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven.
I come to you in Jesus' name. Because my name means nothing. His name means everything. Jesus is Lord. I make this confession believing that that saves me from sin. Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. I give it all to you. Turning from my past, turning from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and turning to you. Jesus, I believe in you, that you died for my sins, that you were buried, but I believe you rose again from the dead. Now you live in my heart forever, 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 and I'll never be the same. And Father God, I thank you for this moment that now I don't just call you my God, I call you my Father. Abba, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's rejoice for a little bit. If you, you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, and I believe you did, then the Bible says that you have become a new creature. Miss Ann has a book, a free book for you. If you want to come forward after we dismiss, she'll make sure she gets this into your hand. You need to read these study helps to find out what's happened to you today. Amen because it's good, your whole life will change and everything will be made brand new. Amen. Did you get anything out of this message today?